Hello and welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer Laura Zaro-Kopinski, and today time management expert Laura Vanderkam is back on the podcast to discuss her new book, Tranquility by Tuesday, Nine Ways to Calm the Chaos and Make Time for What Matters. For anyone who's sick of letting to-do lists dictate their time, Laura shares strategies for reclaiming your hours. Laura Vanderkam is the author of several other time management and productivity books, including Juliet's School of Possibilities, Off the Clock, I Know How She Does It, What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, and 168 Hours. Her work has appeared in publications including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune. She's the host of the podcast Before Breakfast and the co-host with Sarah Hart Unger of the podcast Best of Both Worlds. She lives outside Philadelphia with her husband and five children and blogs at lauravandercam.com. Laura, welcome back to A Bookish Home. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. I am such a huge fan of your work. I um, always listen to your podcast and have read all your books, and I just find them all so helpful. And this one, um, Tranquility by Tuesday, is no exception. And I have to say, if listeners are looking for um, a good audiobook, I listened to it on audio, and um, it was just fabulous. And I love having Laura in, in my ear kind of sharing all of this <laughs> advice. And at the time this airs, it's going to be as people are thinking about 2023 and kind of creating good habits and tackling any New Year's resolutions. So I think this is just the perfect book for people pick the to pick up to start the year off right. So I'd love to hear what drew you to Tranquility by Tuesday and sort of taking this on as your next topic. And just um, if you can tell listeners a bit more about um, the strategies in the book. Yeah, so Tranquility by Tuesday arose out of a realization. Um, I have seen thousands of time logs over the years. So many people have shared their schedules with me. Many people, you know, ask for feedback and advice. And I realized that I was often giving the same advice, even though people's lives look very different. There were certain bits of time management advice that seemed to be almost universally applicable. And so I honed those strategies down into nine rules that I think can help anyone make more of their time. And so these became the nine Tranquility by Tuesday rules. And because I write self-help for busy people, I wanted to make sure that they really worked. So I recruited 150 people to try out the rules for nine weeks. Each week they would learn a rule. They would answer questions about how they plan to implement it in their lives. They would answer questions a week later about how it went. I could measure them on various dimensions through the course of this project. And I'm happy to report that when people did follow the rules for nine weeks, their time satisfaction scores rose significantly. So that was good to see. So yeah, basically the book is about these 150 people's experience of, of making more of their time and how these rules work in real life and how hopefully they can work for your listeners too. Yes. And I love how in your books, it's typically not just you saying, you know, these rules have worked for me. I, I think they're going to work for you, which I feel like a lot of books do that. And you always have, you know, the data and um, other people's experiences. So I'd love to hear kind of since you did have all those different participants, was there a particular rule that or strategy that people are are finding the most helpful? Yeah, yeah, a couple really do stand out. Um, you know, I think they're all helpful. The first one is to give yourself a bedtime. 
And I made this rule number one for a reason, which is that life feels entirely different, not only when you are getting enough sleep, but when you're getting enough orderly sleep, right? That you are in charge of going to bed and waking up. And that unit of time is the amount of sleep you need every single night. Um, Since most adults can't necessarily move what time they wake up in the morning, we have to get up for various work or family responsibilities. The variable that can move is when you go to bed the night before. And, you know, it's it's funny, there's been a, a social media meme going around that people are like, well, I would do anything to get eight hours of sleep, except go to bed eight hours before I need to get up, right? (laughs) This is not rocket science and yet we don't do it. Um, But when I've had people do it um, over the course of this nine weeks, um, their energy levels rose significantly. The proportion of people who said they were getting enough sleep to, you know, handle their lives um, rose by a quarter, um, you know, over the course of nine weeks. So it's a pretty significant sleep intervention there. Uh, so again, you know, it's not, it's not rocket science, but when you actually do it, um, your life does improve tremendously. Um, as for a rule that people sort of become uh, evangelistic about after trying out, I would go with the one big adventure, one little adventure. And this rule is about making time more memorable and our lives more interesting because much of adult life can be the same every day. And sometimes that's good. You know, we should have a bedtime, right? But, uh, you know, when too much sameness stacks up, whole years wind up disappearing into these memory sinkholes where you, you know, it's like every week is like the last. And so planning in one big adventure, which means, you know, three to four hours, half a weekend day, something that's interesting and out of the ordinary. And one little adventure, less than an hour can happen on a lunch break or weekday evening, as long as it's out of the ordinary. This is enough to make life feel different, um, but it's not enough to exhaust or bankrupt anyone. But it just makes, you know, you start having things to look forward to as you're planning in these adventures. And then you start having more memories, too. You know, that wasn't just a week like any other week. It's like, no, that's the week we went mini golfing. That's the week we tried out the new gelato place. That's the week we went for a hike in our nearby state park. So, you know, these are just things that, um, you know, people start putting into their lives and their perception of themselves changes. Like, oh, we're, we are adventurous people. <laughs> and once you yeah. have that that identity you know, you, the world is, the world is yours. Yeah. And I love how the different strategies are so interconnected. Um, So, you know, if you're giving yourself a bedtime and getting enough sleep, you, you know, might have the energy to go do those adventures. And then one of your other rules um, that I really like, I've been trying to implement um, is plan on Fridays. And, you know, if you, are taking the time to plan on Fridays, you can take the time to plan those little adventures. They all really feed into one another, which I think um, is so helpful. And I'm curious to know um, kind of why Fridays for plan on Fridays. And then kind of along with that, um, I was wondering kind of why um, Tuesday in the title, the tranquility by Tuesday? Well, so rule number two is to plan on Friday. And this rule really encompasses two things. The first and the most important aspect is to plan. 
I think everyone needs a designated weekly planning time where they look forward to the next week and they determine what is most important, not just what is, what you know, not just what is happening, but what is most important. And ideally you look at life holistically. You look at your career, you look at your relationships, you look at yourself, um, you figure out what you want to do in all those categories. You figure out what else you need to do, make sure you have things you're looking forward to solve any logistical problems. It's just really important to have a moment where you can pull yourself out of the busyness of life and figure out where you would like to be going. Um, and so this process helps people make sort of slow progress toward long-term goals. But as for Friday, this, this is what really, you know, ups the strategy a little bit. I, you know, if you have a weekly planning time that works for you, I'm not saying you have to change it. But if you don't, or you've noticed some problems with what you have, I would suggest Fridays. First, Friday, and particularly Friday afternoon, if you work a Monday to Friday sort of job, is what an economist might call a low opportunity cost time. Most people are not excited to make progress on their personal or professional goals on Friday afternoon. People are sliding into the weekend at that point. It's really hard to start anything new, but you might be willing to think about what future you should be doing. And so by taking some minutes to plan the upcoming week, you can turn what would be wasted time into some of your most productive time. Um, you know, it allows you to make appointments or meetings with people in a way that if you plan on Sunday night, that's going to be less possible. Like if you look and say, hey, I need to make a hair appointment, a dentist appointment. My kid needs an appointment for X, Y, or Z. Like those places are not going to be open on Sunday night if you're trying to plan then. Um, so, you know, you have more available to you if you're doing it on Friday afternoon because it's business hours. It allows you to use all of Monday. So I know a lot of people plan on Monday morning, but the problem with that is that if you start planning on Monday morning, you can't really get stuff going until later Monday or even Tuesday. And if people are sliding into the weekend on Friday, like we've just dramatically shortened our weeks. Whereas if you plan on Friday, you can use all of Monday. And then the last reason is that, you know, I found even people who really enjoy their jobs often have a little bit of trepidation on Sunday night. And what that is, is that you know there's a ton of stuff waiting for you Monday morning, but you don't know how you're going to deal with it. And that slight bit of anxiety can keep you from fully relaxing and enjoying your weekend. Whereas if you end your week on Friday, knowing what you plan to do on Monday, knowing that you've got a plan to tackle all the stuff that's waiting for you, you can you can relax a lot more. And, and I find that people were feeling more like they could enjoy their days off when they knew the plan was there. I would imagine then too, it's helpful to know going into the week that you've planned some of those big and little adventures you've planned in some um, fun to kind of have that already set and you know you have that to look forward to too. Um, exactly. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's fun to um you know definitely when you're planning, don't just plan what you have to do, plan what you want to do. Um, but you asked the question of why Tuesday, like why tranquility by Tuesday? <laughs> um and, and this is honestly that Tuesday is the most normal day of the week. Right. If you think about it, Monday has its own baggage, you know, Friday, like thank goodness it's Friday, the weekends feel different. So Tuesday is a very normal day. If you actually ask people to picture themselves on a typical day, it is often a Tuesday that they are going to call to mind. And so if we can upgrade our lives on an average Tuesday, which is what most of these Tranquility by Tuesday rules are about, we can make a huge change in our life because much of our life is lived on these normal days. So I'm not talking about, you know, planning for vacations and things like that. I, I want people to enjoy life on an average Tuesday. 
I love that. And, you know, I'm looking at the different strategies and I know for me, something that can trip me up. So, you know, you've got all this new year energy, you're going to zip through the book and start implementing every rule (laughs) at once. And inevitably it kind of implodes and you, and you fall off. I'm curious what um, you would recommend to listeners who want to start implementing some of this and reading the book, um, how you would recommend going about that in sort of the most effective way? Yeah, well, what I would recommend is that you read the book and then go back and start implementing the rules. So, you know, make sure that you're familiar with them. And then maybe at a pace of one a week or one every couple of weeks, I mean, you could spread it out over nine months if you wanted to, but, you know, probably they don't all require, you know, that much time to start doing, but, you know, one a week, as the people in my study did, you, you know, look at the rule, think about how you're going to do it, you know, make yourself a plan. And then keep checking in with yourself on how it's been. And, you know, at the end of the week, ask yourself, how did it go? You know, were there challenges? Like, how did I overcome those challenges? Or if I didn't, you know, what what could I do to change this? And then you can keep adding the new rules, one on top of the other. And, And they are designed to be in a certain order. I mean, because once you are giving yourself a bedtime, you are better able to organize all your life. And then once you start planning, as you said, you could then start planning in things like when you're going to move by 3 p.m. and when you're going to do the things that you're going to do three times a week and when you're going to put in open space and when you're going to plan your adventures and take your night for you and so forth. So, um, you know, I would recommend doing it like that. And then the question is, how do you hold yourself to it? And this, I think you just have to know yourself. Like, what does it take you to stick with something? And there are certain rules that are fun, you know, and I think people stick with them because they are, you know, enjoyable. Like that's the idea. But sometimes, you know, people might want to work through the book with a friend, for instance, and you could hold each other accountable. Um, Or maybe it's that you want to modify each rule to be exactly how you would like to do it. You know, if you're the kind of person who really prefers to put your own stamp on things, then then that would be great, too. You can interpret them as suggestions as opposed to rules. So, you know, figuring out what works for you um, and keeping track of your progress. uh, And, you know, if you need somebody to hold you accountable, that can work, too. Yes, I think having an accountability partner could could definitely be helpful. I'm I'm a a classic obliger, so <laughs> from Gretchen Rubin's tendencies, so something like that would be helpful. Or maybe if you read it with um, a book club, I could see that being fun. And even just um, I'm looking at the scorecard that where you can kind of track things, and even maybe just printing that out and having it up as a reminder could be helpful. Kind of keep it close close to mind. And, you know, is there anybody that sticks out, maybe a participant where um, you noticed them really kind of start to thrive more after this or somebody with kind of like an interesting story that's stuck in your mind? Well, one of my favorites was a story I even tell in the introduction that, um, you know, once you become committed to having fun and adventures in your life, you often become quite serious about this. And, you know, this woman was keeping a time log for me as part of the project. And on the particular day, she was supposed to go to a picnic and then um, some thieves made off with the catalytic converter on her car, uh, which, you know, you're, you're not supposed to drive it after that happens. Uh, and uh, she figured out another ride and she went to the picnic anyway, I, I, which I just love. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, I'm not going to let these people keep me down. 
(laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get my fun in. (laughs) I'm going to get my fun in regardless. So, you know, I just, I I really appreciated that. Uh, There's a lot of stories in the book because the whole thing is, is based on people's observations. I had people, um, you know, I asked them questions like, you know, what challenges did you face? Or did you notice anything while you were doing this rule? Or how do you feel about it? And, you know, other busy people, they might just give sort of cursory responses, but people wrote quite lengthy stories with all sorts of anecdotes. And that made it actually quite an easy book to write in some ways, because normally when (laughs) you're writing a book, you know, you're trying to make sure you've got enough material, like enough stories and things to fill it out. And this is like, for this one, I was you know, choosing from so many um, that I felt like I could really get some good ones. Yeah, it makes it an enjoyable read too. Um, I'm sure you're sort of a master at all of the strategies by now from implementing it, but is there one that you struggle with the most that you have to kind of hold yourself accountable for? Um, I think there are a couple that, you know, I, everything is a work in progress for me. I, you know, like many people at night, I don't necessarily want to go to bed. <laughs> I hear that little voice, like, <laughs> you don't have to, you could stay up later. Um, and I also succumb to the effortless fun, the siren song of effortless fun um, that, you know, I spend way too much time on my phone. And I am often appalled at the numbers that uh, the screen time function coughs up. Um, you know, I'm doing better on, on, on making space for effortful fun. I do a lot of reading, you know, I subscribe to a lot of magazines because that's sort of a low effort, effortful fun. And I started doing a giant fall themed puzzle. You know, I, we're recording this in fall, but, uh, you know, with colorful leaves, a thousand piece puzzle. And I do that in some of the time that I would have been, you know, perhaps scrolling around. And so, you know, that helps crowd out that as well. But, uh, you know, it's it's an ongoing struggle. Yeah, I I have now in my head all the time, effortful before effortless, and I don't always follow it, but it, it's there. I finally dug out an embroidery project I had wanted to work on and things like that, or make sure the Kindle app is, you know, ready on my phone. I, I do love that these rules start to kind of stick in your mind and, and nudge you to make yeah. a better choice. They're, they're help, or the move by 3 p.m., um, they're just... They're, they're simple. It's hard to follow through, but they're, they're simple. And if you can um, make yourself actually do it, it really does, really does help. Well, one of the things I also wanted to talk about, I am such a devoted listener of your podcast, Best of Both Worlds, if people haven't checked that out, and the different tips and before breakfast are really helpful. And I wondered if the podcast has influenced um, what topics you want to take on, like, is part of who you are giving advice to maybe people reaching out with questions on the podcast, or kind of how does that fit into your sort of creative life these days? Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed doing those podcasts over the past few years. It's a great way to um, keep up a relationship with your community in between books. I mean, books are a very infrequent event and blogging does that too. I blog regularly and have a community of readers, but I think podcasts can, um, you know, introduce people to you a little bit more because they're hearing your voice. And it's also, you know, using time that people aren't doing other things, right? You know, they're multitasking in some way, but you can accompany them on a long drive or, you know, while they're walking around or doing chores or something like that. And um, so I've really enjoyed getting to know a community through that. And, you know, hear from all sorts of people I and mean, people write in with questions, people write in with tips. Um, and, and that definitely does influence um, the advice I give, you know, as, as that community grows. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, 
everyone pretty much struggles with the same thing. I mean, everyone's trying to figure out how to spend the time we have in, you know, in order to build enjoyable lives to get done the things that we need to, but also make time for the things we want to do. I don't think people are really all that different when it comes down to it. And, and certainly when it comes to time, it's just one of the most universal democratic things we have. I mean, everybody has 24 hours in a day. You know, and, and it doesn't matter who you are, you still have those same building blocks. And sure, plenty of people are smarter or richer or better looking than the rest of us, but they do not have more time. And within that time, there are things that they personally still have to do. I mean, you, rich as you are, you cannot pay anyone to sleep for you, right? <laughs> and, and, and so, I mean, you know, we're just all dealing with the same stuff. And, and I really like that aspect of time. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's one of the insights I feel like um, has been the most helpful from, from your work, just really being thoughtful about how you're using that resource and sort of that's the time you're allotted. And just thinking about, you know, for people who maybe aren't familiar with some of your your past books, just that whole idea of you have that 168 hours in the week and, you know, minus for work and sleep, there is time to, you know, plan those little and big adventures and to take those nights for yourself and just not thinking, I think myself and, and many others kind of get into that scarcity mindset about time, like there isn't enough and um, not enough to do anything that I really want to do. And I think you do such a good job of kind of um, reminding us that there is lots of time in each week if we if we look for it. And I guess that makes me wonder too, if someone reads Tranquility by Tuesday and is kind of thinking to themselves, all right, I, I'm I want to um, kind of delve into more of Laura's work. Is there something you, one of your books that you would recommend kind of going to next as I sort of go to your backlist? <laughs> <laughs> to my backlist. Yes. Now I was uh, stacking up the backlist the other day. I was like, wow, this is kind of a lot of books. <laughs> so, um, well, 168 hours is always a good place to start because it was my first time management book. And I think thinking of time in the lens through the lens of a week is just a game changing concept for so many people. I mean, we're accustomed to thinking of life in terms of days, but we don't live our lives in days. We actually live our lives in weeks. A week is the unit of repeat in the pattern of our lives, uh, you know, as a mathematician might put it. And so, you know, Tuesday and Saturday just occur, you know, occur just as often. So we want to look at both to get a full you know, perspective on our lives. So I would start with 168 hours. Um, you know, in terms of uh, if, if you, you know, listeners who may be uh, women combining work and family, I know how she does it. Uh, it was really an exploration of that particular issue. I did a time diary study of women with um, demanding jobs who also had kids at home just to see what their lives really looked like. And I, I think there are a lot of strategies in that that make it feel like a far more doable enterprise than you often hear um, in the cultural narrative. Yeah, and I and I would say to um, the audio versions, as I've mentioned, are are so great of your books, and that would be a nice thing for people to do. Is you know, you're commuting to work, or folding the laundry, or taking a walk to get that that movement in before three p.m. to be listening to the audiobooks, I think would be great. And, you know, just lastly, I'm curious, uh, I always love to hear what authors are reading for themselves. Are there any books you've read lately that you'd want to recommend to listeners? Uh, yeah, well, it's funny. I'm actually um, doing, each year I do a big reading project where I read through something big over the course of the entire year, but to only have to do a couple pages a day because, you know, 
anything divided by 365 is a pretty small number. Um, So this past year for 2022, I read through all the works of Shakespeare. And it was something I'd wanted to do for a while. And I just read three to four pages a day in my illustrated Shakespeare anthology. And that got me through the 1,024 pages of the book over the course of 365 days. And it was just so fun to see you know, the entirety of his work, right? And, and the, the plays that are, of course, you know, so well known in the, the Western cultural tradition. And then the ones that, you know, people just don't read as often. <laughs> so you see, see the whole range. Um, so I really enjoyed doing that. But, but just to, I, in terms of a more like current book um, that I also read recently and enjoyed, and I'm sure a lot of people have read as well as uh, Michelle Zauner's uh, Crying in H Mart, um, her memoir of her mother's early death uh, to, to cancer and just sort of her exploration of her Korean American heritage. And it's a really fascinating book, uh, you know, just a, that she's a, a, a rock star too, <laughs> like literally, like she uh, uh, sings in a, a band, um, but is uh, just also the the descriptions of the, the Korean food. I mean, it's, it's maybe the only memoir of somebody's early death, you know, to a terrible disease that's going to make you want to, you know, go to a restaurant right afterwards <laughs> as well. Um, and so I got to try that. That sounds really good. So oh, I've got to pick that up. I've seen that one so much and I can picture the cover and it just has never made the way to the top of the pile. I've got to, I've got to check that out. And um, I love hearing about your sort of sh- different um, reading projects because especially thinking, you know, at the start of the year, yeah, what can you do with those it's 365 reading slots. So what could you do with it? It's going to, it's making me want to think like, is there something I want to like a, a whole author I want to go back and reread or um, I don't know. Sometimes at the beginning of the year in January, it makes me want to um, reread all the Harry Potters or Ooh, like all of Jane Austen. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to have to think about <laughs> what the project should be this year. Yeah. And just a couple pages a day. It really doesn't take that much time. I mean, it, it, the Shakespeare has taken me about 15 minutes a day. So if you think about that, you know, what does it take to read through all the work of Shakespeare? It's 15 minutes a day for a year. It's really not that much. Um, yeah. You know, in 2021, I did uh, war and peace at the rate of one chapter a day. That probably took even less time. Most of those chapters are quite short. So 10 minutes a day or so. Um, you can really get through a lot. I could see it being nice too. I always try to, um, not always good at it, but I, I love your tip of effortful fun can just be like opening the Kindle app on your phone instead of social media. It makes me think like, oh, what could you put on your Kindle app to, you know, spend 10 or 15 minutes a day on to get through in the year? I feel like that could be it'd probably be interesting to see how much you could get through um, in those little chunks of time. Oh, definitely. Um, well, um, I really hope listeners go pick up Tranquility by Tuesday, get the audiobook, or order it from your local library. And I just so enjoy listening to all of your tips and strategies. I found them so helpful over the years. Um, I know other listeners will as well. So thank you for taking the time to come on again and chat with me and, and give more advice to listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. And there you'll also find a link to our new online bookshop. Um, A Bookish Home has teamed up with the new organization bookshop.org, which supports independent bookstores. And if you'd like, you can browse books by authors who have been guests on A Bookish Home, 
I'm also sharing there all of the books mentioned on the podcast, books I've been reading lately, and other recommendations. It's a really wonderful site to browse and look through books. And if you make a purchase, it supports a bookish home and independent bookstores. So it's a win-win. So if you want to check that out directly, it's bookshop.org slash shop slash a bookish home. And you'll also find that at abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.